Well, hey, we're going to be in the end of Acts chapter 13, chapter 14. Uh, we're going to, that's where we'll be at, be at. We've been doing a series in the book of Acts. Um, I hope you take the time just maybe read through it on your own and stuff as well. Just a lot of good things that are there. It really is one of the better books of the Bible that really kind of gives us a pattern for the, the church. Uh, we see what the early church looked like. Uh, we see how they approached um, being witnesses and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, obviously, uh, there's some things that we can't replicate, but there are some things that we can look at and say, you know, is that what the church looks like today? Um, and, you know, you just look at different churches, right? From Acts until now, over 2,000 years, and church looks different in a lot of different places, right? You've got some that are very what we'd call liturgical, you have some of them that are very unliturgical. Uh, we probably fall a little bit in the middle, right? Um, and then you have, of course, Protestant, uh, Catholicism, uh, the difference there. So the church has really taken on different forms. Um, sometimes we always think we ha have the right way, right? We have the right way. Of course, we're the right ones. But, um, you know, we do our best to interpret Scripture, right? But there's a lot of things that are our personal tastes of how we do church, even just our service order and stuff like that. That's not in Scripture, right? What we do know is that they did preach and um, they did pray and, um, you know, they even did food a lot in those early days. So we do that sometimes. But church kind of, we've adopted different customs and what works, what doesn't work, what people like, don't like. So, Amen. Well, um, Acts, so last week we looked at John Mark. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that message, I encourage you to listen to it. To me, it's just a fascinating, it's one of the funner messages that I've preached. And it's just, um, his life is just really, I think, a good t testimony of what God can do in our hearts and our lives. And um, So I think uh, if you missed it, go and look it up. All right, but we learned that we all need mentors in a life. We uh, must learn from our failures. We must use our gifts to serve God, and then we must seek reconciliation with fellow believers. All right? So then after John Mark's departure, so he starts off on this first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, and then there's other people that are there. They're mentioned, uh, they're mentioned in um, that first part of chapter 13. There was other people, Simon called Niger and Lucius and, and, um, and them. So... Um, but we see in verse 13 of chapter 13 that after they did this first ministry um, experience kind of in Cyprus, it was kind of the, one of the first places that they kind of stopped. There's kind of this intense encounter with a sorcerer, and um, he's blinded. Paul says you're going to be blinded. He's blinded. Uh, the proconsul, the governor of that area, accepts Christ. According to church history, his daughter and his son would be pretty instrumental in the church. Um, but then when they come to the next port, John Mark takes the first ship back home, back to Jerusalem. So we, that's what we talked about last week. So if you want more on that, you're going to have to go and look it up. So we're going to kind of pick up from there, and uh, we're going to cover a little more Scripture this, this time. So if I need to speed it up, you say, Pastor Brent, preach it and hurry up. No, all right, all right. But let's look to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to us this day. Uh, let your word come alive in our hearts and our lives. Um, we give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to, you know, it's a, it's a kid. We have a family service here. And um, 
one of the things I have in my notes here that this message is probably not fluff. It is not baby's milk. It is probably more on the steak side, okay? And all you have to do is look at the title that says what? Live dead. Yeah. So it is not fluff, but it is what we see in the book of Acts. And I believe it's what God has called us to do, all to take up our cross and follow him. Amen? That is what Jesus said. So we do see that in Acts 1.8, that's kind of like the cornerstone verse for the book of Acts. You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So that word witness in the Greek is, help me out. All you Greek scholars, help me out. All right. So the, the Greek word is martus. Martus. What does that sound like in the English? Martyrs. Martyr. Martyr. What's a martyr? Yeah, people that die for their faith proclaiming the gospel, right? We know that we think all the apostles except for John would die as martyrs. And we know that in the, you look at the early church, like Polycarp and others, they would die a martyr's death as well. Um, it means to die for one's faith. Now, isn't it kind of interest witness? You know, yeah, I'll be a witness, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to be a witness to that extent, right? That's a high commitment. But... And, but that's where we get that word martyr is that as they were witnesses, many times they were willing to be a witness even if it meant their life. Um, is that too extreme? You know, we got some, how many, raise your hand if you're military here, ex-military. Yeah, veterans there. All right, yeah. You know, um, you, you sign up for the military, right? You are, you're putting your life on the line, right? You're going into harm's way. And you're willing to make that commitment, that sacrifice, if necessary, for your country. And even for our firefighters, policemen, state troopers, the same is true, right? Um, you may, you're willing to make that commitment. So it may not seem as extreme as maybe sometimes as what we make it out to be, all right? But that's where we get that word. All right, so um, John Mark gets on the ship, verse 13 of chapter 13. All right, and then they go on to Bethsaida, Antioch, um, and there they enter the synagogue. That was common practice. So as Paul would go to these different communities, often he'd go into the synagogue. That's where the Jewish people were at. So he would go there and he'd preach Christ, and he would open up the Old Testament to them and said, hey, this is how it talks about who Jesus is, right? And some would believe, and then other people would try to kill him, all right? It was just, that was Paul. I mean, he just didn't, maybe kind of black and white, um, he had that temperament. I think he was pretty intense. And so some people wanted to follow him and other people wanted to kill him. And so he shares Christ here and in in that community. And we have his message there. We actually have, have a somewhat of his sermon that Luke records. But in verse 42 is where I want to pick it up. It says, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things the next Sabbath. So that would be the next Saturday. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue on in the grace of God. Verse 44, then on the next Sabbath, almost who gathered? Almost the whole city. Isn't that, you know, the, Luke records the stuff, and sometimes we can read over it, but just think about that. Almost the whole city 
shows up to hear what Paul and Barnabas have to say. That's the impact and the effect that you were having in these communities as they shared Christ. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with joy. Oh yeah, they were jealous. And they began to contradict what Paul was saying and they heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We will not turn to the Gentiles. So Paul would have a phrase that he would go first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, all right? And he was called by God to go to the Gentile, but because he himself was Jewish and because they had been entrusted with God's word back in the Old Testament, he gave them that privilege to hear the gospel first. And when they would say, hey, we're done with you, then he would go to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who appointed for eternal life believed. Verse 49. And the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. So not just the city, but the whole region. And that's one of the things we learn about Paul's strategy that I believe was provided to him by the Holy Spirit is that he would reach these communities that were commerce cities. And so people weren't, it wasn't just the people in the community, there was people that were there doing business. And so they would hear the message, they would hear the gospel, and then they would go back to their hometown. And what would they take back with them? Well, they'd take back their goods and other things that that they came to that town for, but they would also take the message of hope that they'd received. And guess what? Then they would start in their own home church, and the gospel would spread, all right? Verse 50, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of the high standing of leading men of the city. It's kind of interesting. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as of warning them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that kind of interesting Then you have that? They're having persecution and hard times. They're getting kicked out of there, but the people are filled with joy and excitement. Uh, The first thing, I'm just going to kind of, what does it mean to live dead? First of all, to live dead means taking the gospel to the unreached. And Paul says, hey, I don't want to build on anybody else's foundation. I want to take the gospel to where it's never been heard before. And you say, well, you know, I guess that was back in Paul's day. Good thing there isn't people still today that have never heard the gospel, right? In our day and age, everybody's heard the gospel, right? Chris, why don't you play that video and make sure that Theo has the volume, brings it up. All right, let's go for it. You can dim the lights a little. Live Dead is a call to plant churches among unreached people groups through teams. The heart of Live Dead is to respond to the challenge of access. We are responding in a very simple way. Planting churches among unreached peoples through teams. Teams are groups of people who live in the same city or village. And meet weekly to pray, evangelize, disciple, and plant churches together. We know that we are stronger together than we are apart. A Live Dead team is made up of people with a wide variety of skill sets. And may include people from different organizations, generations, and ethno-linguistic groups. We work in partnership with national believers and the wider body of Christ. Churches are groups of local men and women who have abandoned their former way of life to follow Jesus. 
Some gather in church buildings, but most will meet secretly in houses. Churches are groups of believers committed to teaching and learning the Bible. Spending time with each other in Christian fellowship, to celebrating the Lord's Supper and baptism, and to a lifestyle of abiding in Jesus. Without a doubt, our world is covered with lost people. We don't have to look far to find someone who is lost and in need of the saving gospel that comes only through Jesus Christ. The Live Dead focus is on access to the gospel. We know of entire countries with fewer than 10 known believers. An unreached people group simply defined is an ethno-linguistic tribe or demographic that is less than 2% evangelical Christian. There are almost 3 billion people and approximately 7,000 people groups in the world today that are unreached. Of those nearly 7,000 people groups, around 3,000 of them are what we call unengaged. No local churches, no missionaries, and no teams resident and working towards church planting. Our goal in Live Dead is to respond to this great need to plant churches that multiply effectively in their own culture. Live Dead is currently active in training church planters and launching church planting teams in eight major regions. Africa, the Arab world, Silk Road, Iran, India, Origins, Russia, and China. In our world today, unreached people tend to be found in countries at war, inhospitable climates, dense cities, unstable governments, and in the midst of challenging security circumstances. In this new normal of instability, we are committed to living, and if needed, dying, among the unreached wherever they are found. Motivated by the love of God, we go where there are no churches and no Christians. We go where there is no gospel message and where Jesus is not glorified. We go for the single and uniting mission of the church. To bring glory to the name of Jesus among every tribe, nation, and tongue. That is why we live dead. Planting churches, unreached people groups, teams. In another video that they have, you can just look that up, Live Dead, it's through the Assemblies of God Missions. Uh, they just talk about pray, give, and go. We can all pray, right? And we can all give towards mission missionaries and to missions organizations, and some of us may choose to go, right? And some of the missionaries we've even had here in the past year, I was talking about, uh, you know, she said that some of us are going into countries where they're, they're closed countries. So we had missionaries on our tour and some of them could not disclose their location or that they're technically a, a missionary and even when I read names for our council last week uh, one of our candidates I could just say that he was a worker in a certain in a in the Arab world is all I could say because he's going to a country that he is not, not allowed to be there if they know what he's doing okay and the Hubbles that were here, they're missionaries to Ukraine and just going into that region where there's war. And what we see in the life of Paul is that the commission to reach un the unreached was so strong that he was willing to go into those areas even though there was risks and there was dangers. Um, yeah. I think that's what it takes, right? Um, if we're going to share the gospel. Now, I, I definitely can't, you know, if I had my son or daughter that was looking at them. Um, I even, I take short-term missionaries trips. And sometimes I, you know, you're, you're going into countries that are a little more unstable, some of the countries I've been in. You don't know. I There was one incident in um, 
that would have been in, um, that was in Guyana where I, I felt a little bit uncomfortable there. I, I just, um, some, I, you know, the, the number of white people that I counted on my two-week trip there was probably, they were all at the Bible college, I think. There wasn't very few out and about. Either they were Indian um, uh, from India or they were uh, African-American. Um, they were actually weren't American, they were African. Uh, left over from the slave trade there in, in Guyana. Um, if we're going to take the gospel where it needs to go into some of these unreached areas, it's going to take people that are willing to take some risk, just like Paul did. And I believe that has to go back to that message we talked about just being called. That has to be that where God places that within our heart to go. And so, um, and God, people are responding to that. We support missionaries that are th a part of Live Dead. I think, yes, I'm thinking the Hazis are part of Live Dead and, and others. And so um, we, we give and we're praying for them. But, it, you know, um, I believe that God could even raise up people from our own church to go. Amen? Amen. We shared this at youth group on Wednesday night, Luke 10. Jesus sends out 72 believers disciples, so it's not the 12, but there were 72 of them, and he sends them out, and he, says, uh, and he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, and he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, go send out workers into the harvest field. And verse 3 is kind of the one that kind of gets you, go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. You know, it'd be nice if it was reversed, right? You're the wolf, <laughs> right? Right? You're the lamb, right? Rant lambs are pretty defenseless of wolves, but we have God on our side. And God, and then they return, saying, man, the demons uh, fled before us, and uh, they report what God had done. All right? Which leads to our second point, verses 1 through 20 of chapter 14. They get to Iconium. And Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. And then they spoke effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up again other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. So there's miracles that are taking place. And the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others sided with the apostles. And there was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with the leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and they fled to the Laodicean cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. And then keep going. And then in Lystra there was a man who had been lame and he had been that way from birth. Okay, so this happens in the Gospels, and it happens, this is at least the second time in the book of Acts we see that happen. And Paul looked right directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And he called out, said, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. The crowd saw what Paul had done. They shouted in the Laocian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. And Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes. So the Greek gods go back just to these biblical times here. 
And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he had um, he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles and Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and they rushed into the crowd, shouting, "Friends, why are you doing this? We too are human like you. Why are you bringing? We are only bringing you good news, telling you to turn from the worthless things to the living God." who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And in the past, he let all nations go their way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in the seasons. He produces you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Even these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. You remember, they had wanted to stone him, right? And they won the crowd over, and they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. All right, most of us would have went back into town, packed up our bags, and went back home, right? Right? Paul goes back, and then he goes back into ministry. Um, and it's just, just incredible that here they, a man is miraculously healed. He'd been crippled from birth. He is healed before them. At one moment, they're ready to offer sacrifices to these Greek gods in honor of them. In the next minute, they're, they stone him and leave him for dead. Now, we don't know if Paul was actually dead or not, if he was just knocked unconscious and dead. Um, we don't know. There, he does record in Second Corinthians 12, so if you want to look at that later. He does, it's in third person, so he doesn't say it's him. Um, but he tells about a story where he went up into heaven. He goes, I don't know if I was in body or not, but he, he saw heaven and all the beauties of heaven. So um, could it be at this moment that he actually was, that he was dead and God brought him back? And says, your work's not done here. Get up and go back to it, right? You know, even if he wasn't dead, even if he was just unconscious, how many of you, after having a bunch of heavy rocks thrown at you, would get back up and go back into the city? Isn't that just incredible? It had to have been the healing touch of God, right? Um, the point we want to catch there is that to live dead means to live without fear of death. You know what? Um, but Paul didn't have that. I, I'm sure he had some fears. You know, he had some common sense. One time they had warning, and so they got out of there before it happened. And there's multiple times that Paul escaped before um, something bad happened, right? Um, this time it wasn't that case, but he didn't live in fear of death. He goes, man, if to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, he says, right? But he goes, it's more important that I stay with you right now. He didn't live in fear of death. And I, you know, I think God's not calling us to be stupid or careless, but you know what? I think of people that do, you, you open up your, your phone and you look at social media and you're going to find all these videos, right? And people are doing some pretty crazy stuff. You know, those, what do they call those suits that, you know, have the, you fly through the air and stuff like that. That's kind of like, man, that'd be cool to do, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not there, right? I don't think, I don't have that much guts, right? Um, and sometimes people do die from it, right? Yeah, how many have been bungee jumping? Who's been bungee jumping here? Has anybody been bungee jumping? Right, skydiving. We've had a few. We have a few skydivers. I know Dave's done several times. Anna, you've sky. Man, all right. Um, 
you have to, it's not that God is calling us to be stupid, but we can't live in fear of death. Why? Because we fail to live, right? If, if you're never going to step out of your house, if you're going to be fr- afraid of that, you know, and we just had the COVID thing that's back, what, three years now, right? How much did that alter, the fear of death, alter people's habits and lifestyles, right? You, there is common sense there. You have to take precautions, but you, have to, you can't go to that opposite extreme that you're, ne- you're afraid to never do anything, right? Paul lived his life in such a way that he wasn't afraid of death. He lived his life, and he was going to fulfill what God had called him to do. I, and I think we have to learn from Paul in that. God wants us to live our life to the fullest. He says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is your act of worship. This is pleasing to God, verse 2 says, in God's perfect will. Which leads us to our final point here, verses 21 through 28. They preached the gospel in the city and won a large number of people. You know... (laughs) He gets back up after being left for dead. Then they go back through Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging him. So these are the places that they wanted. There was disciples there, and they wanted to do him harm, but he goes back to them, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. He said Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each of the churches. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. I mean, I think some of these people were thrust into leadership very quickly. And after going through Poseidon, they came to Pamphylia, and then they preached the word of God in Perga, and they went down to Atalia. And from Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch, and they had been um, committed to the grace of God, for their work now had been completed. So it's interesting that now... They sensed from God that their work had been done. Now they would go back for a second and a third one, but this trip was done. Reported all that had God had done through them and how he had opened up a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. The final point there is to live dead means to pursue one purpose. Prior to knowing Christ, Paul had many ambitions. He had many pursuits. And he had a pretty good resume. Okay, you can find that in Philippians chapter 3. He had a, an incredible resume of all his accomplishments. But he says in verses 7 and through, uh, through 11, he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may be gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness that is of my own but comes through the law. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, participating in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. And again, he says, um, he has one purpose to know Christ and make Him known. I... The final point there is to live dead means that we have one, we pursue one purpose. It was like Paul had a lot of distractions, right? A lot of things he could have pursued, but when he found Christ, he, had, he was laser focused. 
God had called him to be a light to the Gentiles. He says, I want to know Christ and make him known. That was his purpose. And as he went from town to town, were there pretty women? I think there was. Was there riches and fame? Probably was. Were there other temptations and other things that could have gotten his attention? Absolutely. There was idolatry. There was a lot of wickedness in these cities. These cities, you know, commerce cities tend to bring in all the good, but also a lot of the bad. So it was all there. There was a lot of distractions, but Paul stayed focused. He was, these other things were dead to him. But he was alive to Christ. And I think that's the message for us as well, is, yeah, things have changed, but we still deal with things in our own lives, Right? We still have things that can distract us, that can take us off course. I've known a lot of people that start off knowing Christ and then that person comes into their life, steals their heart, but they're not the best person for them and they lose their faith with God. Or they start making a lot of money and, and so that becomes their focus and so then all of a sudden their love and their fire for God gets cold. Or they're pursuing pleasure and other things and they lose their love for God. So in that aspect, God calls us to live dead, to alive to him, but dead to the world around us. Amen? Um, to keep ourselves focused on him. I'm going to have the musicians come. To live dead means to share Christ with the unreached. And I believe that some of the places in our world today that need it the most means that you're going to have to go in there, as they said. You're not going to be able to have a church service like we have here. It may be in a home, and it may be that you get evicted from the country. It could be that you could even be harmed for your life. Um, but it also means to live without the fear of death. We, kn we know where our soul is. We know where our hope is, right? And there again, I don't think God is calling us to be careless, but I do think there are some risks that we need to take if the gospel is going to be shared with the world around us. Just like if we are to protect our nation. I, th I, I think of the Ukrainians right now um, that are defending their country. They know, they know the risks that are there, but they're determined to protect their land and their country. Right? And I don't know how many have died. I feel worse for the Russians that are going there because they probably aren't wanting to be there in the first place, right? But the Ukrainians, they're fighting for their purpose, what they hold dear. And I believe that's what God wants us to do in our faith, to live boldly for Him. And lastly, to pursue one purpose, to live dead to the things around us and to keep Christ as that focus in our heart. Hmm. Live dead. It seems like kind of a contradiction, doesn't it? But we really do see that in the life of Paul. Um, you know, I guess we'll find out in heaven for sure. Probably one of the greater missionaries that has ever walked this earth, but a lot of people have followed in his footsteps. Uh, it's good to have Christy here today, and I just remember Jim would tell me stories of some of the things that he did in the places he went. And, and often it was kind of like, that would scare me to death to go into some of these places. Um, 
because there's just not the law and order that we, we are used to here in a country like ours. But he went into those places, whether it was spiritual warfare, or witch doctors, or whether it was um, in some places in Africa, you notice that Northern Africa, it's the, the Islamic domination, right? Um, that is there. And other places, you know, China and Russia were on that list, right? Just think about they're in the news so much in our day and age. How many want to sign up to go to Russia? Or to China? Yeah. But as you look at our wall, we do have some people in some difficult countries that are sharing Christ. And I believe God calls us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. It has to be called has to be something that where God is calling us out. He says, hey, I want you to go. Just as he did Paul. And Paul went with that assurance that knowing that, you know what, God has called me. He's going to provide for me. And God did. Amen. Would you stand this morning? You know what, God may not have called you to go to a, a closed country to be a missionary. But he has called all of us to take up our cross and to follow him, right? And that's different for all of us. But what would be true for all of us is to live dead to the world and alive to him. That third point probably is the most important there, but I believe all of them apply to us just in different ways. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this morning. If we have never placed our faith in Christ and never prayed that prayer, just made that decision. I believe that God is here to hear our prayer, whether we are in person or watching online. And so, God, this morning we just come to you. We just open up our hearts. You have promised that if we confess you as our Lord and our Savior, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, we will be saved. And if that's us this morning, Lord God, you hear that prayer. You hear that prayer. And you'll forgive us of our sins. You'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You'll make us white and holy. You'll make us your people called by your name. And Lord God, this morning I pray for each of us that God, that you can help us and give us the strength that we need to live dead to the things of this world. and To hear your voice. To do what you've called us to do, Lord God. And God, maybe you're calling somebody here this morning to go to a place that is high risk. Lord, I wouldn't want anybody to go there unless they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt you were calling them. But you are calling people. And some of those places will never hear the gospel unless someone goes and shares it with them. Takes that risk. And so, Lord God, you are the author of our salvation. You are the one that calls. And Lord God, give us an open heart to do whatever you've called us to do. For some of us, the most fear, scary and fearful thing is walking across the street to tell our neighbor. And I don't say that facetiously. It really is. It's hard for us to share Christ. And Lord God, help us to, to counter those fears and to put it in perspective that you have given us your Holy Spirit and that you go before us, Lord God. 
you've called us to be a light. Just as Paul was a light to the Gentiles, you've called us to be a light that is set upon a hill to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share the hope that we have through these earthen vessels, Lord God. Let the light of Christ shine through us, through our testimony, through our life. And Lord God, as we live dead to the things around us and alive to you, Lord God, I I believe with all my heart that the light within us shines so bright. It shines so bright. And so, Lord God, we give you the thanks and the praise. We ask it in your name. Amen. 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 If everybody would just close their eyes. Just trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit here this morning, but... Maybe God's speaking to some here this morning. Maybe it's to full-time ministry, to be a pastor, to be a missionary. Um, you just maybe sense that. But you just maybe sense that. Would you just raise your hand? And I'm just going to have a group. I'm just going to pray from up front here. But is anybody sensing that? Young or old? Young or old? Anybody here? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. A couple hands went up. Can we just pray this morning? Father, it is you that call, Lord. And so, Lord God, we just uh, pray that those that you're speaking to here this morning, Lord God, that you would um, develop that just I don't believe you placed that that sense in our heart Lord God that whisper that voice in our heart Lord God by a chance and so Lord God I pray that um, you'd confirm that Lord God we just uh, and maybe others were thinking about raising their hand they didn't know or God you you're the one that calls and so Lord God I just pray that you would uh, lead and direct your people We just pray your blessing upon them. And Lord God, give us an open heart and just fill us with your Holy Spirit. There again to be a witness in our Jerusalem, in our hometown, where we work, where we shop, where we go to the community events and activities. Lord God, let us be that light to the world around us. Lord God, truly make us a witness, Lord God, that is filled with your Spirit. And it is led by your spirit. The words to say, the confidence to say it, Lord God. Release your people to do what you've called us to do. You have not left us as orphans, but you've given us your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord God, we give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Grab an invite. This is the last week. So uh, grab one or two. Just use them up. Get them out there. God bless you this morning.